Who's seen Frozen? <laughs> I know that Ellie has, yeah. I thought the kids might see it, yeah. I've seen it. It's quite a good film. I'm, I'm secretly hoping for Christmas, well, Frozen for Christmas, but we'll see. Um, but it, it tied into all that is royalty, isn't there? There's, there's Elsa and what's the other one? Anna, yeah. And uh, see, I'm not much of a fan, you can tell, can't you? But, and then there's these princes from all over and kings who come to the castle to, to come when the castle's opened up. And the theme of royalty runs through loads of great stories, doesn't it? There's another film out, The Hobbit, the, the end of that, and the, the dwarf guy calls himself King Under the Mountain. And tied into all these great stories throughout history, we, we like the idea of kings and queens and princes and princesses. And I think the reason for that is because the deepest reality of the universe is explained by a story given in the Bible. It's this big story that's not just any old story. It's true. It's the best of all stories, but it's actually true. It's rooted in history. And it's surrounded by this theme of royalty again, as we saw in the video. The video is really helpful to show that the Bible, although it's all these different books, there's a unity there. It all joins together. It tells of one story that kind of works its way through. We saw in the video how actually the Christmas story didn't just begin in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It went way before that, didn't it? It said it started right at the beginning of history. It began with Adam and Eve, the very first people. You've probably heard of them before. And they were kind of like a king and queen because they're the very first people, and God made them and put them in charge of the good creation that he made. Of course, they weren't ultimate king and queen because they were to love God, and God was the real king, but they were to serve God through uh, ruling his creation under God. But we saw in the video that they believed a lie. They believed that God wasn't really good. They didn't trust in him. And because of that, they disobeyed him. It's basically like saying, God, I, you've given me all this stuff. I don't want you, God, but I'd like your stuff. Thank you very much. I know that you're king, but I think I'd rather be my own king or my own queen. I know that you're in charge, but... Actually, I'd rather run the show. That's kind of what Adam and Eve did. And it shaped what humanity is like, what people are like uh, throughout history because of that. And we saw, didn't we, in the, uh, in the video, how the theme of kings keep on cropping up. We see David, who is uh, a king, who is a man after God's own heart. And he was giving, given a promise by God that one of his descendants would rule forever, be sat on God's throne forever. And throughout the whole Old Testament of the Bible, we see all these kings coming up, but they're not perfect. They all fail. And we saw that in the video as well, didn't, didn't we? They keep, on they keep on failing. They're not the perfect king. But in our passage, we see that Jesus is called the 
the Messiah or the Christ. It starts in verse 18 of our reading. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Then it tells the story. And that is a loaded statement. That, that has so much meaning, saying that this is the story of the birth of the Messiah. Because the Messiah means the promised one, the king who was to come, who would be God's king, and who would uh, rule under God in the way that it should have been done in the first place. He was, if you like, the, the second Adam. He's, he's that kind of leader. And so we see that Jesus is the king. But you've got to wonder, who is the king of Christmas? Because in our story, we don't so much see Jesus as the king. We see other kings as well, don't we? Because we see Herod, and we see these magi, which is sometimes uh, translated as wise men, or sometimes translated as the three kings. Um, well, actually, I mean, as a bit of a aside, it's not... It doesn't say there's three kings. It just says there's three gifts, doesn't it? But we assume, I mean, who's going to turn up to a birthday party without a present? So we assume that there's three of them. But the real question is, who is the king? Who is the king of Christmas? It's clear in here that it is Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was born and he is the Messiah. He's the long-awaited promised king. But we've got to think and we've got to know that Jesus didn't begin being if I could uh, put it that way when he was born or he didn't become king at his birth he was king at his birth but the story is much bigger than that because the Bible also says that Jesus doesn't turn up halfway through the Bible he's the God that Adam and Eve rejected he was the true king in the, he was the true ultimate king there in the Garden of Eden, who Adam and Eve mistrusted and disobeyed. And so when Jesus turns up, he's not just the promised king, he's not just becoming the promised king, he's always and ever been the one true king of kings. He's Jesus. So this is an epic story, isn't it? It's the. It's like the best fairy tale you can imagine. But if Jesus has always been the king, we've got to scratch our heads and think, why on earth, literally why on earth, would Jesus come? Why would Jesus come? If he's been king, if he's enjoyed uh, being connected with God from for, forever to forever, in absolute enjoyment and bliss, why would he want to come and join us? in this world which we've messed up. I'm a bit lazy at times, and Ellie will vouch for me. There's times when I can be sat on the sofa or sat in bed, and I don't know, I might have a nice cool drink by my side, I might be watching my favorite show, and it would be absolute bliss for me. And then Ellie might say, Don, will you come and do the washing up? What? I'm in bliss? I'm enjoying myself. Why would I want to come out, get out of my comfy seat, to get my hands dirty and come and do that? Why on earth would I want to do that? Well, that's kind of what we see. But 
to the extreme that Jesus was in complete bliss. He didn't have to come. He was enjoying the fellowship, the friendship with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And yet, he became born as a little baby. He became like you and me. It was as if I got up and shrugged off well and went and came and and served, did the washing up. So why, why did Jesus do this? Well, he came out of love. He came out of love. That's, that's the reason why I'd get off my bum, isn't it? That's why I'd have to stop watching my show and go and do the washing up. It's because, well, I love Ellie. I'm not doing it because I have to, although most of the time I do. But it's, it's because I love Ellie more than I love watching my show. That's what's going to do it, isn't it? And just in the same way, although Jesus had everything sorted, he didn't need anything, he didn't need to come down and be born as a man, but he did, and he did it because he loves us. He did it for you and for me. But also he came to save We see that, isn't it, when the angel's talking to Joseph about the name Jesus. The angel says you should call this little baby Jesus. And the explanation is because he will save save God's people from their sins. Jesus means God saves. God saves. Yeshua. And it's because we need saving. The video made that very clear, doesn't it? that humanity, people, have messed up this good creation. We've turned away from God and turned in on ourselves. We try to be kings and rulers of our own lives, but thinking that it will give us freedom. But in fact, it just makes us slaves. It, it imprisons us. And we need saving. The Bible calls this sin. We need saving from our sins. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to uh, become like us, to save us. When I was a little boy, I went to Butlins with my family. And we went swimming, as you do in Butlins. And I went swimming for about four hours because I was lost. (laughs) And there's this big, round um, swimming pool. And there's kind of stairs you could go up to go on the slides. But basically, I'd lost my parents. They didn't know where I was. And I was just swimming around and around for about four hours. I was pretty tired by the end of it. And, of course, they were, they were shouting my name out over the tannoy, saying, would, would Dominic White come, please to re- come to the reception? Your parents are waiting for you. And, of course, everyone who hears it is going to be, oh, he must be so embarrassed. I was just swimming along, oblivious to everything else that was happening. But I, need, I needed someone to come and save me. I was unaware of everything that was trying to call me back. And thankfully, one of my friends did jump in in the pool, swam around. He must have taken forever. But finally, he came and he found me and he told me what a numpty I'd been, ignoring all the announcements. And then, obviously, I came back, got changed, got a telling off, and then we went back to the chalet. But that's what Jesus came to do as well. He's been calling people uh, back to himself from the very beginning of uh, creation. He's been saying, come to me, come to me. But we don't, we don't listen. 
But when Jesus was born as a person like you and me, it's him jumping into the pool, seeking us out, finding us, and coming to find us, to save us. But also, our problem with sin isn't just something where we can be uh, found. There's, there's a penalty that needs to be paid for our rebellion against God. And that's another reason why Jesus came to be born a man. Because if he came down as just God, then he could come find us, but he's God. And the Bible says that a holy God and sinful people, they, they can't come together. But Jesus coming as a man, he came because what are men good at doing? What does every person do? They die. That's what everyone's good at. <laughs> it's it's a, a scary thing. But Jesus came to die. Truer than anyone else. He was born as a man so that he could die. He didn't deserve to die because he lived the perfect life. But he died in our place because that was how he would save his people. But there's also another name that Jesus has. It's called Emmanuel. He came to be with us. He came to be with us. Imagine the prime minister coming to your work or visiting your school. And instead of doing what you would expect him to do, instead of giving an assembly or instead of giving a bit of a, a conference, actually just sits down next to you the whole day and he does the work that you would do. Now, imagine that. He would really understand you, wouldn't he? He's not disconnected anymore. If he, it, imagine he does that for a whole week, then a whole month, just doing exactly what you've done. David Cameron would re really know you a lot, wouldn't he? Whereas Jesus, he's come down from his throne in heaven, and he's come and lived shoulder to shoulder with normal people. And he's done that so that he can be God with us. He's God with us. So these are all the reasons why Jesus came. He came out of love to save us and to be with us. But what kind of king is Jesus? He is the Messiah. Matthew tells us that. But what kind of king is Jesus? Because we see this other king called Herod, don't we? And we could kind of assume, well, if Herod's a king and if Jesus is a king, are they kind of at odds with each other or are they kind of similar? Well, Herod, we see, is a tyrant. He's not a nice guy at all. He's a nasty guy. And that's because he, he does this very terrible thing. He hears from the Magi, these wise men, who are coming to find this king of the Jews, who's been born in Bethlehem, and Herod gets worried. He's afraid that this other king, this contender for the throne, is going to take away his crown. And so Herod goes about trying to stop it by killing all the babies in, in that area. He's scared that the crown's going to be taken off him, and so he hurts other people to try and cling on to his crown. But in Jesus, we see a very different kind of king. He's not the same kind of king as Herod. He's not even the kind of king that we'd think in our minds, that we'd see on a, on a Disney film. 
He's a very different kind of king because he's the kind of king who steps down from heaven out of perfect bliss. He gives up his crown to become one of us. Whereas Herod was fighting to keep a hold of his, Jesus willingly gives up his crown to serve us, to become like us, to know us, and to save us. And so Jesus isn't a proud king. He's not one who's going to make you a slave if you believe in him. But he's a gentle king who loves and who serves. And he's, and he's died to save you. And he's risen again. And he's even alive today. And he is the king of kings. And he's still a man. He's risen and in heaven, but he's still a man because of that first Christmas. And he still knows what we're all like. And he sympathizes with us. He gets down to our level and he knows us. And so we can really, really trust him because he's really trustworthy. That's who Jesus is. And it's such a wonderful thing to remember this when he came down to save us.